0: Section 15 of Offhand Sketches. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Deborah Lynn. Offhand Sketches by T.S. Arthur. Section 15: Out of the Frying Pan into the Fire, or The Love of a House. "'Hadn't you better give your landlord notice to-day that we will move at the end of the year, Mr. Plunkett?' "'Move? For heaven's sake, Sarah, what do we want to move for?' "'Mr. Plunkett.' "'Mrs. Plunkett. It's a very strange way for you to address me, Mr. Plunkett, a very strange way. "'But for what on earth do you want to move, Sarah? Tell me that. I'm sure we are comfortable enough off here.' "'Here? I wouldn't live in this miserable house another twelve months if you gave me the rent free.' I don't see anything so terribly bad about the house. I am well satisfied." "'Are you, indeed? But I am not. I can tell you for your comfort." "'What's the matter with the house?' "'Everything. There isn't a comfortable or decent room in it, from the garret to the cellar. Not one. It's a horrid place to live in, and such a neighbourhood to bring up children in.' "'You thought it a love of a house a year ago.' "'Me?' Mr. Plunkett, I never liked it, and it was all your fault that we ever took the miserable affair. My fault? Bless me, Sarah, what are you talking about? I didn't want to move from where we were. I never want to move. Oh, no, you'd live in a pigsty sty forever, if you once got there, rather than take the trouble to get out of it. Mrs. Plunkett! Mr. Plunkett! Wise from experience, the gentleman deemed it better to run than fight. So, muttering to himself, he took up his hat and beat a hasty retreat. Mrs. Plunkett had a mother, a fact of which Mr. Plunkett was perfectly aware, particularly as said relative was a member of his family. She happened to be present when the above spicy conversation took place. As soon as he had retired she broke out with, Humph! Just like him. Anything to be contrary. But I wouldn't live in this old rattletrap of a place another year for any man that ever stepped into shoe-leather. No, indeed not I. Out of repair from top to bottom, not a single convenience, so to speak. Walls cracked, paper soiled, and paint yellow as a pumpkin. And worse than all, Ma, every closet is infested with ants and overrun with mice. Ugh! I'm afraid to open a cupboard or look into a drawer. Why, yesterday a mouse jumped upon me and came near going into my bosom. I almost fainted. Oh, dear, I never can live in this house another year. It is out of the question. I should die. No one thinks of it except Mr. Plunkett, and he's always opposed to everything, but that's no matter. If he don't notify the landlord, we can. Live here another twelve months? No, indeed. I saw a bill on a house in 7th Street yesterday, and I had a great mind then to stop and look at it. It was a beautiful place. Just what we want. Put your things on, Sarah, right away, and go and see about it. Depend upon it we can't do worse than this. Worse? No, indeed. That's impossible. But Mr. Plunkett never mind him he's opposed to everything if you had given him his way where would you have been now mrs plunkett did not reply to this for the question brought back the recollection of a beautiful little house new and perfect in every part from which she had forced her husband to move because the parlors were not quite large enough never before nor since had they been so comfortably situated Acting as well from her own inclination as from her mother's advice, Mrs. Plunkett went and made an examination of the house upon which she had seen the bill. "'Oh, it is such a love of a house,' she said, upon her return. "'Perfect in every respect. It is larger than this and is full of closets, and the rent is just the same. Did you get the refusal of it?' "'Yes. I told the landlord that I would give him an answer by to-morrow morning.' He says there are a great many people after it, that he could have rented it a dozen times if he had approved the tenants who offered. He says he knows Mr. Plunkett very well and will be happy to rent him the house. We must take it by all means. That is, if Mr. Plunkett is willing. Willing? Of course he'll have to be willing. Oh, it is such a love of a house, Ma. I'm sure it must be. A very different kind of affair from this, you may be certain. When Mr. Plunkett came home that evening, his wife said to him, quite amiably, Oh, you don't know what a love of a house I saw today up in Seventh Street. Larger, better, and more convenient than this in every way, and the rent is just the same. But I am sure, Sarah, we are very comfortable here. Comfortable? Good gracious, Mr. Plunkett. I should like to know what you call comfort. How can any one be comfortable in such a miserable old rattle-trap of a place as this? You thought it a love of a house, you remember, before we came into it. Me? Me, Mr. Plunkett, why, I never liked it, and it was all your fault that we ever moved here. My fault? Yes, indeed it was all your fault. I wanted the house in Walnut Street, but you were afraid of a little more rent. Oh, no, Mr. Plunkett, you mustn't blame me for moving into this barracks of a place. You have only yourself to thank for that, and now I want to get out of it on the first good opportunity." Poor Mr. Plunkett was silenced. The very boldness of the position taken by his wife completely knocked him hors de combat. His fault, indeed. He would have lived on year after year in a log cabin rather than encounter the horrors of moving. And yet he was in the habit of moving about once a year. What could he do now? He had yielded so long to his wife, who had grown bolder at each concession, that opposition was now hopeless. Had she stood alone, there might have been some chance for him, but backed up as she was by her puissant mother, victory was sure to perch on her banner, and well did Mr. Plunkett know this. It will cost at least a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollars to move, he ventured to suggest. Indeed, and it will cost no such thing. I'll guarantee the whole removal for ten dollars. It cost over a hundred last year. Nonsense! It didn't cost a fifth of it. But Mr. Plunkett knew he had the best right to know, for he had paid the bills. From the first, Mr. Plunkett felt that opposition was useless. A natural repugnance to change, and a horror of the disorder and discomfort of moving, caused him to make a feeble resistance. But the opposing current swept strongly against him, and he had to yield. The house in Seventh Street was taken, and in due time the breaking up and change came. Carpets were lifted, boxes, barrels, and trunks packed, and all the disorderly elements of a regular moving operation called into activity. Every preparation had been made on the day previous to the contemplated flight. The cars were to be at the door by eight o'clock on the next morning. In anticipation of this early movement, the children had been dragged out of bed an hour before their usual time for rising. They were, in consequence, cross and unreasonable but not more so than mother, grandmother, and nurse, all of whom either boxed them, scolded them, or jerked them about in a most violent manner. Breakfast was served early. But such a breakfast! The least said about that the better. It was well there were no keen appetites to turn away with disappointment. "'Strange that the cars are not here,' said Mr. Plunkett, who had put himself in going order. "'It's nearly half an hour past the time now. Oh, dear, confound all this moving,' say I. "'That's a strange way for you to talk before children, Mr. Plunkett,' retorted his wife. "'And this is a much stranger way for you to act, madam. for ever dragging your husband and children about from post to pillar, for my part I feel like Noah's dove, without a place to rest the sole of my foot.' "'Mr. Plunkett! Mrs. Plunkett!' A war of words was about commencing, but the furniture cars drove up at the moment, when an armistice took place. In due time the family of the Plunkets were, bag and baggage, in their new house. A lover of quiet, the male head of the establishment tried to refrain from any remarks calculated to excite his helpmate, but this was next to impossible, there being so much in the new house that he could not, in conscience, approve. If Mrs. Plunkett would have kept quiet all might have gone on very smoothly. But Mrs. Plunkett could not or would not keep quiet. She was extravagant in her praise of everything, and incessant in her comparisons between the old and the new house. Mr. Plunkett listened, and bit his lip to keep silent. At last the lady said to him, with a coaxing smile, for she was not going to rest, until some words of approval were extorted from her liege lord, "'Now, Mr. Plunkett, don't you think this a love of a house?' "'No,' was the gruff answer. "'Mr. Plunkett, why, what is your objection?' I'm sure we can't be more uncomfortable than we have been for a year." "'Oh, yes, we can.' "'How so?' "'There is such a thing as going from the frying-pan into the fire.' "'Mr. Plunkett!' "'Just what you'll find we have done, madam.' "'How will you make that appear, pray?' "'In a few words. Just step this way. Do you see that building?' "'I do. Just to the south-west of us. From that quarter the cool breezes of summer come.' We shall now have them fragrant with the delightful exhalations of a slaughter-house. Humph! Won't that be delightful? Then again the house is damp. Oh, no! The landlord assured me it was as dry as a bone. The landlord lied, then. I've been from garret to cellar half a dozen times. And it is just as I say. My eyes never deceive me. As to its being a better or more comfortable house, that is all in my eye. I wouldn't give as much for it by fifty dollars as for the one we have left. Notwithstanding Mrs. Plunkett's efforts to induce her husband to praise the house, she was not as well satisfied with it as she was at the first inspection of the premises. "'I'm sure,' she replied, in rather a subdued manner, "'that it is quite as good as the old house, and has many advantages over it.' "'Name one,' said her husband. "'It is not overrun with vermin. Wait a while and see.' "'Oh, I know it isn't. How do you know?' i asked the landlord particularly and he said no he did Humph! we shall see and they did see tired but with the days moving and fixing the whole family feeling hungry out of humor and uncomfortable descended to the kitchen after it had become dark to overhaul the provision baskets and get a cold cut of some kind but alas to their dismay it was found that another family, and that a numerous one, already had possession. Floor, dresser, and walls were alive with a starving colony of enormous cockroaches, and the baskets, into which bread meats and sea had been packed, were literally swarming with them. In horror, man, woman, and child beat a hasty retreat and left the premises. It would hardly be fair to record all the sayings and doings of that eventful evening over-wearied in body and mind the family retired to rest but some of them alas not to sleep from washboards and every other part of the chamber in which a crevice existed crept out certain little animals not always to be mentioned to ears polite and more bold than the denizens of the kitchen made immediate demonstrations on the persons of master mistress child and maid it took less than a week to prove satisfactorily to mrs plunkett Though she did not admit the fact that the new house was not to be compared with the old one in any respect it had not a single advantage over the other while the disadvantages were felt by every member of the family in a few months however mr plunkett began to feel at home and to settle down into contentment but as he grew better and better satisfied his wife grew more and more desirous of change and is now as the year begins to draw to a close looking about her for bills on houses and examining every day the 2 department of the newspapers with a lively degree of interest. Mr. Plunkett will probably resist stoutly when this lady proposes some new love of a house, but it will be of no use. He will have to pull up stakes and try it again. It is his destiny. He has got a moving wife, and there is no help for him. End of Section 15 Out of the frying-pan into the fire, or The Love of a House